Hi, everyone. Thank you for being here, and uh, thank you for taking the time tonight to um, join this meeting. My name is Svetlana, and I'm a grateful recovering marijuana addict. So something that I've heard a fellow addict tell me is that addicts can be very sensitive people, and that can mean like we're unable to handle criticism, judgment, intense emotions, and things like that, so we use drugs or anything to help numb the pain and minimize the discomfort. So as um, in early childhood, I got rejected, and that hit me really hard. I, it, it just hit me to the core um, because I was highly sensitive of the situation. And from that point on, it made me choose to live a life that was inauthentic to me. What had happened in this childhood rejection was that one of my classmates um, had a birthday party, and she invited all of the girls at our group table except me, and that hurt me a lot because I felt very lonely and rejected and ostracized, and I cried to my parents from that moment. Um, it, it's kind of silly, but it really affected me, and from that point on, like I said, I, I kind of changed everything about myself in order to fit into the crowd and be accepted by other people. Um, another aspect of my life is that I worked hard to get good grades, and I was a straight-A student up until my sophomore year in high school where I got my first B. Um, with that being said, I was always known to be the smart girl in school. People, you know, had that, this image of me as being like a nerd, a geek, um, and that really hurt me because I identified being that kind of person as someone who isn't cool. And I wanted at all costs to be cool and be accepted by other people. So that's what I learned in the movies, basically. Like when I watched movies, it was always like the cheerleaders and like the cool kids who smoked pot that were always the ones that were getting all the attention and acceptance from other people. And that kind of shows I had a very low self-esteem and, like, a very low inability to accept myself. Um, so in middle school, I auditioned for the cheer team because I wanted to be accepted by my peers. And, again, I wanted to be cool. Um, I wanted to be part of the in crowd. I did make the team. And from there on, I started hanging out with people that or kids that were smoking weed and, like, doing drugs and doing cool stuff. Um, but I didn't start smoking weed in middle school. I waited until high school because I knew that it wasn't something that should be done and it wasn't, you know, something good. Like I, I had pretty good morals and strong values. My parents raised me really well, but because I lacked that self-esteem and a strong backbone, I ended up giving into peer pressure in high school and turned to drugs. So back to high school, um, I, I made the cheer team all four years. I continued hanging out with those cool people, those cool kids who always smoked weed. Um, and I started going to high school parties. I started getting drunk, getting high. And this was, like, really difficult because I was losing a sense of myself where I was used to um, getting good grades and doing well in school and doing activities that, you know, were – meaningful to me. Instead, I, I just started partying and losing myself in drugs and alcohol and getting to the point where I was blacked out, getting really drunk. Um, 
I was able to go to these parties because I lied to my parents. And, like, it was, you know, on my side that I was getting good grades. The fact that I was getting good grades up until um, my sophomore years when I started um, slacking off, um, my parents thought, like, oh, okay, she's getting good grades. We don't need to worry about her. She's a good person, a good daughter. She's, she's doing the right thing. So, yeah, we'll, we'll trust her that she's, when she tells us, oh, I'm going to sleep over to a friend's house, that I'm sleeping over at a friend's house. So instead of sleeping over at a friend's house, we would go to parties and um, get really drunk and um, do drugs. So um, another thing about my childhood was that my parents always saw me as someone who was self-driven. So I was very independent, and I appeared to not need any assistance. They didn't really guide me because they thought, like, my self-driven, independent behavior was a means for them to be on the sidelines and limit their guidance on me. So I had very little structure. I kind of do whatever I want, but um, for the most part, I was always on track until high school when I started getting into drugs. So there's kind of a, you know, a correlation that the moment I started doing drugs, everything was kind of falling apart. Um, in all honesty, I really needed their help, but they, the whole time, they thought I was fine. Um, to this day, I'm, I'm kind of upset that my parents didn't have a hands-on approach with me um, and that I had to basically learn on my own, but I'm still trying to get over this resentment and through the 12 steps, you know, I've been working on this and knowing that it's up to me now to um, rebuild my life. And like, despite that my parents not giving, um, not guiding me, they did give me a really great childhood. I didn't have to do much as the youngest of three children. They were pretty lax with me because I think what I think they thought is that I'm the third child and, and they're busy working and they, they've already, like, raised two children and the third one, she'll probably, like, figure it out is what I was thinking. Um, I didn't really have many responsibilities or structure. They just wanted me to focus on school. So I was blessed in that regard, except that I didn't do anything with my time. And I didn't do anything with my time but daydream, and that just, you know, it – it, um, it became greater, the daydreaming, like, because of the fact that I started using. Um, I was daydreaming a lot because I was too afraid to branch out of my comfort zone because I was afraid of looking stupid in front of other people. I was so fragile and had such a low self-esteem because um, the fact that I never tried anything and I was only good at school, um, I was afraid to try new things, and even when it came to school, I was afraid to, uh, you know, challenge myself and get good grades at higher, um, at higher grade levels because I, was, I couldn't trust myself. I was afraid that I was going to make a mistake, and so I just gave up entirely, and that was a problem because my junior year in high school, that's when I started getting bad grades and partying more, drinking more hanging out with the cool kids, trying to fit in. And I did get accepted to UC Santa Barbara, but they revoked my acceptance after my senior year because I got failing grades because of the fact that I wasn't focusing on school. And that was a big blow to my self-esteem, and it really crushed me, especially because my identity was surrounded by my ability to do well in school. And... Um, the fact that I, you know, failed at getting into the college that I was accepted into really hurt because 
you know, like school was really important to me and, you know, I, I just seemed like a big failure. Um, then I went to a community college instead. And at that time, I was, when I was 20, I lost my virginity to a guy that I really liked. And after he took my virginity away, he basically um, stopped messaging me, ghosted me. Um, and that was another blow to my self-esteem. Then I ended up using even more and neglecting school again. And I got so high and just so drunk and party that I ended up getting into a marijuana-induced psychosis. Um, this issue with him had really, you know, was earth-shattering because he was kind of like, he was like trying to force me to give it up. And like, because he knew I liked him so much, he ended up, you know, I ended up saying yes. And at the same time, I was drunk when I lost my virginity. So, you know, that just is another reason why, you know, drugs and alcohol is a problem for me. Um, I basically lost touch with reality when I got the marijuana-induced psychosis. I even tried to attempt suicide by wanting to jump out of my sister's bedroom window, which was on the second floor. But my dad was there to stop me and then um, took me to the hospital. I was so broken, so hurt, so numb, and just so lost. When they took me to the hospital, I was um, admitted to the psych ward where they gave me meds, and I obviously had to take them. After coming back to reality and not being so paranoid anymore, I was able to um, come back to my senses, but I was still so broken and so depressed from these blows to my self-esteem. And I was already fragile and didn't have, you know, a strong sense of self. And the cycle basically continued for the next eight years of my life, which was my, basically the majority of my 20s. I would spend most of my 20s in and out of psych wards. I would uh, repeat the cycle of relapsing, getting clean, relapsing, getting clean. And it frustrated my parents so much. Um, they tried so hard to get me clean, but it never worked. And the key is that they tried to get me clean. It wasn't on my own regard. I didn't want to get clean. I always wanted to continue using. They were the ones who kept forcing me to get clean, and I just couldn't let go of marijuana. Um, despite my life falling apart, despite being 5150, which is um, being on a psychiatric hold against my own will because I couldn't take care of myself and I was a danger to myself, and despite all the destruction, I still couldn't see the damage that was being done. I was using marijuana to, you know, for multiple reasons. I was using it to um, numb myself from all the pain that I was suffering and the trauma that I was suffering and to hide my true self and to not face reality. Um, I couldn't accept myself. I hated who I was. I hated everything about myself. And this also just began with, a, you know, a what innocent not being invited to a birthday party. And it just spiraled after that. You know, like I held on to that so hard my whole life. Um, I thought that I needed to be accepted by other people to be, feel, to be able to feel loved. Um, I got high because I, I couldn't hold a conversation with people. I was so shy and scared and wasn't comfortable in my own skin. And that boy who took my virginity away probably liked who I was, but when I was high, I became a completely different person. I was sloppy, and I was very chaotic. Um, I would speak gibberish and say random stuff and didn't make any sense, and um, I was irritating him. And um, in my mind, I thought when I was high, people would uh, like me more, but it turned out to be the opposite. I, I used marijuana as like a form of courage 
to make me talk more and engage and socialize, but just gibberish was coming out of my mouth, and I didn't even notice it. I was definitely delusional. And, like, I was the only person who couldn't see how erratic I had become. And through this whole process, I lost a lot of friends from my using. They couldn't be around me anymore. And to touch upon those behaviors that were very off-putting, um, I would go on social media when I'm high, and I would just talk about anything and everything. Sometimes I would cry in front of people and, um, you know, publicly embarrass myself. I would say intimate details of my life that shouldn't be told to anyone except to close friends. Um, I, was, you, I was clearly high. People could tell I was high, and it was just also very embarrassing. And then one time when I got high, um, I ran away to San Francisco and decided to strip down completely naked and go streaking in the middle of the night um, in the streets of San Francisco. And, like, when I think about this, that was so dangerous because it was late at night and I'm just naked running through the streets, um, you know, just being free and enjoying my freedom, which, you know, wasn't really the case because I was doing something so dangerous and I could have, you know, it's a miracle that nothing happened to me. So it seemed like a harmless drug to become socially accepted ended up becoming a crutch to fill that hole in my soul that yearning to be loved. Coming back to Marijuana Anonymous, I tried it multiple times throughout those eight years that I've been um, relapsing and getting clean. Um, to get clean, I went to Marijuana Anonymous, but it never worked because I didn't want to commit. I typically dragged my feet into those rooms, making all kinds of excuses to not go, and I wasn't ready. That's why I relapsed so many times. I only went to meetings to pick up a token or a chip. I was half in. Um, I had been able to get clean many times, and once or twice I've been able to get clean for two years straight, but then I ended up relapsing because, again, I wasn't fully committed. Uh, my last relapse was three years ago, which meant I'm now three years clean. And back then, uh, my boyfriend had said something that stuck with me and made me realize all the damage I was doing in my life. Um, I've always wanted to be a mom, and he said, how can you take care of kids if you can't even take care of yourself? And I don't know, for some reason, he had to say it and in that way for me to fully grasp the chaos and insanity of my addiction. So, like, no matter what my parents were saying, no matter how much heartbreak I was causing them, like, for some reason, I just was too, too in love with the drug and thought I needed it. And I don't know, like, it, it was just weird that – my boyfriend had to say that to me for it to click. And um, at the same time, I did have a spiritual awakening through um, Reiki healing. I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with Reiki, but um, it's a Japanese technique where you lay the hands on the person to channel spiritual life energy force to help heal people. And uh, my Reiki master had given me an attunement which is the act of making me become a healer myself and to um, heal uh, myself and to heal others through Reiki. Um, I don't know if it was this incident or my boyfriend telling me those words, but after those moments, I actually decided to get clean and I no longer wanted to use marijuana again. I somehow um, flipped a switch in my head and realized the destruction I was causing. Um, 
So, you know, as many times in the past, my parents had always kicked me out of the house whenever I started using marijuana. But this time, this, uh, which happened three years ago after getting kicked out, I decided to be a big girl and live on my own. I was only able to afford a place that was pretty run down, and it was a party house. So that was kind of, you know, red flags. But I decided to move in there because that's all I could afford. Um, the issue with that was that I had six roommates at one time that were all stoners. So imagine this. I was trying to recover, and I saw bombs everywhere. There would be nugs on the floor, nugs of weed, sometimes on the table, and there would be lighters around, so I could easily just have used. Um, sometimes they would have their dealers come over to the house, and they would open up their stash in front of me, and my roommates would be ordering something, and they didn't, like, have any – you know, you know, care for the fact that I was, um, they, they all knew I, I'm trying to recover from marijuana, but they kind of just didn't care. One of my roommates was pretty inconsiderate and she would blow smoke in my face. Um, honestly, I don't know how I was able to stay clean, but that was the first eight months of my, um, recovery. Um, it was, it was honestly a miracle because my old stoner self was easily joined in and passed the bong around with them. Somehow I knew this time was different, and I knew I wanted to get clean. I think, honestly, it's a spiritual awakening, and, you know, what my boyfriend had told me had really stuck. And without the help of my higher power and my spiritual awakening, I wouldn't have stayed clean during that whole ordeal. I ended up finally moving out of that place because I was able to make a little bit more money and um, move into a house with a family. And, um, yeah, so I was able to get clean. And during this whole time that I was getting clean, um, I um, went to meetings every Saturday in my home group. Um, The meeting was 45 minutes away, so I had to drive 45 minutes. Sometimes it even took an hour to get there because of all the traffic. But I stayed committed to going to this meeting because I knew it would work, and I knew that MA, um, you know, from seeing other people stay clean and my sponsor being clean for 30 years, like, I knew I had, I had to do this program and do the work. I then be, began to pick up service commitments. I became the group service representative, and the GSR is someone who, or the group service representative is someone who, represents my home group to the district um, the district meeting and relay information back and forth to the district. And then since quarantine last year, I've been the secretary for my home group on Zoom, and I'm still the secretary there. I recently picked up another meeting where I'm secretary at, um, also in my district, and I've been sponsoring a few ladies here and there. Um, So, you know, what has kept me clean and sober was the service work that I've been doing. Um, That's another aspect to why I've been successful at staying clean this time around. Um, Another incident that happened last year was that my father had passed away in June of 2020. And this was a really difficult time for me. Um, I, I had a friend pass away when I was 21 and automatically I started using again. Those were one of the times I started relapsing. 
But this time around, you know, my dad, someone so close to me, I had a great relationship with him. Um, he passed away, but I kept coming back to meetings. And I know that my old self would have easily relapsed, but despite this devastating um, incident, I stayed clean through it all. Grieving his loss has been tremendously difficult, uh, but my sobriety was super important to me. So this was like another test that life gave, uh, gave to me. But through going through the 12 steps and going to MA, I was able to build a stronger sense of self and a strong support network through my fellow MA um, brothers and sisters. So now I'm so I'm I'm really happy where life is going. I was never a functional stoner, so now I'm able to pursue my dreams. Um, I'm currently going to school for my master's degree, and my boyfriend and I were planning our future together. He, for the longest time, we've been almost dating for four years, um, didn't want to commit to me because he knew that something was off about me. That he he was he was afraid that I wasn't you know able to change my ways, but he stuck with me because he knew that there was something about me that, you know, is worth staying for. And now he um, is committed. I've moved in with him. We're moving forward in our relationship because he's seen all the growth I've gone through from the past um, few years that we've been dating, seeing me, you know, get clean and stay clean. Um, another aspect of staying clean is that I've developed many meaningful relationships that aren't based on using marijuana. I've been able to truly know what self-love is. Um, I'm completely 100%. I'm not completely 100% accepting of myself, um, but I still am able to bounce back more easily and love myself and hold space for myself when I need compassion, when I make mistakes. Um, I, I, I now embrace mistakes more because I know that um, it's, it's a quicker way to learn and um, there's no growth without making mistakes. Like, I, I just have to understand that. And throughout this process, I've known that um, when they say keep coming back, it works if you work it. That's 100% true. Um, I, despite knowing that um, I didn't want to come back, I kept coming back, and something that one of my MA sisters said is that keep going to meetings until you want to go to meetings, and that that's so true. Like, I, you know, I became successful at staying clean because I kept going to meetings to the point of I, I look forward to going to meetings, and I go to a few meetings a day sometimes. Um, and it works if you work it. Uh, that's really important because I wasn't working the program. Like I said, I was just going to the meetings to pick up tokens or chips when I hit milestones. Um, but I have been working the program diligently, and I work on it every single day, even if it's just writing a gratitude list or saying the serenity prayer. And, you know, if there's any newcomers out there, keep coming back as well. You guys are the most important people in the room. Um, and, you know, you got to start somewhere, and just taking it one day at a time is really the magic to it all. And the most important component is that you have to decide that you want to be clean. No one else can make that decision for you, and I had to understand that it was my decision to change and that I wanted to do it. My parents, my friends, 
my family, them forcing me to get clean wasn't ever going to change me until I made a decision I wanted to change. And then lastly, I just want to discuss the three pillars of the program, recovery, service, and unity. Honestly, like those three pillars make up, you know, the foundation of recovery and the MA 12 steps and Recovery is super important because obviously that's what you need to work on on a daily basis, your daily reprieve. And um, the moment I took on service was when, like, things really um, exponentially grew for me where I was more committed and I knew I had to go to meetings um, because I was of being of service. And then the unity aspect, like, having – support from my MA sisters and becoming friends with them and holding tight bonds with them has really helped me. You know, like they say that um, addiction is due to being disconnected and it's not really a drug problem. It's a dis- it's being um, disconnected from others. And I've learned to become connected with my fellow sisters in, of M- MA and you know, it's it's just it's just beautiful. Everything that has come about through working the twelve steps and being a part of this program, like I, I just I'm so grateful, you know, like I'm just really grateful to be a part of this program and um that's all I have to share. Thank you all for being here again and listening to my story. Thank you.